This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. We want to hear from you right now. Text us at 918-262-5072. All right, 432, welcome back in. Blitz 1170, my name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Matt Hubbard. And let's set up that Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline and welcome in Dusty Dvorak joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. Dusty, good to talk to you, man. How are you? Fantastic and improving pop. Happy holidays. We're officially uh, the start of Hanukkah and the start of Christmas week. So uh, I'm doing fantastic and listening to that little update there. I'll tell you what, for as much criticism as Mike Gundy, I feel like it's especially with the portal and even recruiting. It seems like man, there is no one that's been hotter, or at least uh, after it more so than Mike Gundy as of late. Uh, it's been it's been it's been very impressive to watch this team be able to bring in new faces almost seemingly by the day, especially in that transfer portal. So seven total now, and what's funny about all of this is like it it got highlighted based off of his comments, and I heard you and Colby talking about this, and I agree with you. When I initially heard it, I did one of those, I don't know if that's necessarily the take that you want to have, but, I mean, it's also weird to ask coaches at that time how they're going to handle the portal anyway because they don't really know what their rosters are going to look like, and it's been all part of this giant conversation about the calendar that we have now and the season's over but it's not really over and you're asking them to do basically seven different things i it, it's so weird to ask coaches even at that time because they even haven't really had a time to sit down with their own team yet and find out who's actually looking to leave and who's actually looking to try to stay I, but he's been forced into this position right he's had to be this active in the portal This is, I mean, it's just kind of the way of the world in college football. I mean, it really is. And the one thing, one of my big takeaways, too, when we talked about that initially was whether or not he says he's having these conversations, I find it hard to believe that coaches on his staff aren't. Like, there's got to be some kind of feeling out process, I would imagine, um, along the way. Again, is it direct line of communication with Coach Gundy and his players? Is it informal? Is it formal? I don't know, but I would have to imagine there's there's something that's going on there. Because um, initially he said, no, we don't have those conversations. We let them make that decision on their own. And I can understand if, if you're not trying to convince someone to stay if they don't want to stay or you know re-recruit your own roster the way we hear coaches say that they have to all the time. But I – I just find it hard to believe that there isn't some kind of conversation going on. And then once you do kind of get a lay of the land, I obviously uh, Coach Gundy is going to take advantage of the transfer portal. And, I, you know, everybody looks at it and has an approach different, and everybody views the portal a little bit different. And the reality is you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to love it. But you darn sure pretty much have to utilize it in today's college football or else it's going to be hard to continue to stay at the – top of your conference or at the top of uh, you know college football as a whole so I, he's doing a great job and what I like about the guys they're they're grabbing they're addressing need whether that be yeah. you know depth or just you know overall uh, guys of you know areas of you really want to try to bolster your roster the offensive line good low who I, I was surprised maybe you weren't pop USC TCU, UCLA yeah. had all offered Anthony Goodlow, so I thought that was nice to get him to stay in the state and go to Oklahoma State, a, a really 
highly coveted guy, the receiver out of uh, Washington State. That intrigues me. We saw what Tay Martin meant to this offense for a while, so we'll see if they can replicate that. Uh, just a lot of different pieces that, uh, you know, offensive line in particular that you need to improve on, you need to get better. And it seems like they've, they've really touched on the running back from Western Michigan, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. I'm intrigued to see what he brings to the table. And the one that I'm, I got my fingers crossed is Brennan Armstrong. And I don't know how you feel, but when Nick Evers committed to Wisconsin, yeah. I, I'm not saying it guarantees Oklahoma State gets him, but if he's if it's coming down to Oklahoma State and Wisconsin, and you're Brennan Armstrong, and you you know you see that happen, to me it would make Oklahoma State that much more appealing. And I know they got Phil Longo, but Oklahoma State and what they've done offensively and the way quarterbacks have thrived, there's a pretty long track record there for him to look at and say, I know if I go there, I'm going to have an opportunity to put up numbers, make plays, and and be in an offense that has been is proven. Uh, to, to really put up some big numbers. So if they can get him from Virginia, I am really high on him. I like what he brings to the table. I think that that would be a slam dunk uh, on top of what they've already done with this portal class. So I want to go back to Goodlow for a second. So I think that um, I, I, I think that Goodlow um, it was roommates with Justin Wright while he was at TU. So Justin Wright, nice. who, who was the linebacker there, who committed to Oklahoma State, is actually married. They have a place, and Goodlow was their roommate, so he lived with them. So I kind of had this feeling like that those two would be talking behind the scenes, and we had Justin up in the studio, and he was kind of hinting around at a, at a few things uh, as well. So I kind of pieced those two together, and it just kind of made sense from the friendship and the dynamic that they had moving forward. But I, I like that a lot for both of them. I think both of them can have an immediate impact at Oklahoma State. I do too. Um, and, you know, obviously with Mason Cobb leaving, there's a direct need. And with so many guys, I see Goodlow kind of in like a Tyler Lacey type role. I think body type wise, uh, very similar, extremely productive guy there at TU, as you saw firsthand. So, I, you know, again, I just I look at that and I, I see need. I see, you know, guys departing that you're going to need to try to find someone that can step in and have veteran guys that are experienced that you can plug in and play right away. I just think it's, it's, it's exactly what Oklahoma state needs. And it seems like both those guys are perfect fits for, for what Mike Gundy, um, you know, wants to do defensively. So I'm, I, I like it a lot, man. And, and happy for those guys. And that's obviously not great for Tulsa football. I'm sure Kevin Wilson would love to keep those guys, but a chance for those guys to play on a little bit of a bigger stage there in Stillwater, great opportunity for both of them. So it kind of fits in line with what we were talking about earlier. Um, and our discussion was based off of more of what you're seeing with Oregon. We were using this as an example with Bo Nix coming back. And they had the big quarterback recruit, the, the Moore kid, who then decided, hey, I'm going to decommit, I'm going to go to UCLA. Dusty, is college football starting to shift to more of a year-by-year basis for most, pro- most programs? And is Oregon the prime example of that? Are more programs going to take on that philosophy of, hey, I know we've got this superstar recruit that everyone absolutely loves, but we've got a proven guy in Bo, in Bo Nix here. We love this roster. We feel like we can compete next year. Is this more of a year-to-year sport now than ever before? Probably so, and I think that you know it's definitely a sport that you can get better year-by-year year, um, You know, with, with the transfer portal and being able to place positions and fill in holes uh, so directly. And I think that, you know, obviously this is where NIL, 
I think could be a good thing for college football. Um, I would imagine, knowing what I know about Oregon and what they have set up uh, from, uh, you know, Phil Knight's got a, a pretty profound collective that I think helps out Coach Landing and, and their program uh, pretty handily. And I would imagine that Bo Nix is probably going to get a pretty good NIL deal for being able to come back. So he will be able to benefit monetarily more so than he would by going to the NFL draft. And then it obviously helps uh, Oregon as well. But I, I think that on some level, like it's got to be a balance, right? Because you don't want to completely sell the future for the current. But man, if you've got a proven commodity there and they're a veteran guy and they're going to want to stay a little bit longer now that they can take advantage of some NIL opportunities or you can bring somebody in that's got two years it's already proven it's that it's that new delicate balance that coaches are trying to work through I will always believe that the foundation of college football still has to be with recruiting you still have to be able to bring guys in develop them from a somewhat infancy as it relates to college football standards. But I do think that, uh, you know, sprinkling in and utilizing the portal and having a good mix of veteran guys that are proven in college football to go along with guys that you've kind of, uh, you know, brought in and, and you've cultivated and you've, you've helped develop and you've ingrained your culture into those guys. I think that's still going to be a staple as well, but especially at that quarterback spot pop, if you've got a proven commodity in college football at that spot in particular, it's tough for any head coach not to want to take advantage of that. It's also weird to me because uh, I, I think there are some programs that are going to roll the dice a little bit more on the on the portal. And a quarterback is always one of those that stands out to me, Dusty, because I think that certain programs that have uh, – whether you call them a blue blood or not, they just have a substance to them. I think they're going to be fine going in and finding guys no matter what year in, year out in the portal. I'm just curious to see how many of them are actually going to roll the dice on, on the number of times. Is this going to be an every other year type element with them? And like, I think some programs can get away with it, but by sure not every program can try to do that. No, they can't. And that's what I'm saying. And for a lot of schools, you're going to have to still be able to bring in young players, develop them, cultivate them. And, you know, be able to have those guys waiting in the fall. That's why I find Brennan Armstrong interesting because I know they like Garrett Rangel a lot. They like this Flores kid coming in from Nebraska who I believe is about to graduate or just graduated. And I, I think John was saying last night on the Blitz that he might actually, whenever he transfers in, he, he may be able to come in and practice some during bowl prep out in Arizona. So he's going to be able to get a jump start. But if you can if you can bring in a veteran guy to kind of bridge that gap as those younger players, Garrett Rangel is still a very young player, very raw, needs to continue to develop until they're ready. That's kind of the sweet spot. You've got some of your own homegrown guys, but then you've also got somebody who's got a little bit more experience uh, to kind of help bridge that gap, so to speak. But yeah, every school is not going to be able to tap into the portal and be able to go get proven commodities throughout college football. There's just not not enough quarterbacks to go around, so. Uh, you're, you're I, I just you're always you're still going to have to have a lot of schools that utilize recruiting and, and find a way to keep those guys on campus and and give them their opportunity whenever it presents itself. Uh, Dusty Dvorak is with us here on the Blitz 1170. Um, a few of the items that came down from earlier today. I really no shock. Uh, Bijan Robinson bids uh, farewell to Texas uh, is going to opt out of that bowl game. Um 
looking uh, at a first-round draft pick right there. It just, it, I, I still marvel, Dusty, at the times when I went back and, and remember elements from Texas this year where it seems like in a weird way that Sark forgot about one of the best players. I think you were witness to that in the Oklahoma State game at times. Uh, but just the dynamic player that is Bijan Robinson and, and the, thinking about the future aspects of him in the pros is rather juicy, my friend, especially for you, like as a Cowboys fan with a late, typical late first-round pick. If you don't want to pay Pollard, he might, he might end up falling in kind of in the Cowboys range. Yeah, I mean, I can think of other areas of need, but uh, I, would not, <laughs> I would not be yes. upset if B. John Robinson uh, was there and the Cowboys took him. You wouldn't have to worry about that with your Niners because you guys seem pretty set for the foreseeable future <laughs> after the Christian McCaffrey trade, which was absolutely brilliant, by the way. I, I think he's the best running back in college football. I've thought it since going back to last season. He is so smooth uh, with the ball. I mean, he's got tremendous burst, uh, contact balance, his ability to catch the ball. What I marvel at is when they line him up outside as a receiver, he claims he's the best receiver on the team, that he can run the Christmas routes, he's got the best hands. And there was a couple times this year, and I pulled a couple of clips in, some, in one of the broadcasts we had. I can't remember if we got to show it during that Oklahoma State game or not. But, I mean, he is lethal in regard to that. So just the versatility he brings to the table is, is phenomenal. And, uh, look, I, would I love to see him go out there and play in the Alamo Bowl? Sure, sure. but do I completely understand uh, why he said, you know what, I've done enough in my three years at Texas. I've shown all I can show. It's time for me to get ready for the next chapter. Yeah, I, I completely understand that side of it too. But I, I don't think, to me, there's no question he should be the first running back off the board. If not, then I, I would be very, very surprised. couple of things here because I do want to kind of uh, get into a little NFL, uh, and we have to rip the Band-Aid off on the Cowboys from yesterday. Um, but have you had an opportunity to go back and revisit some things where you thought that you were going to be right at the beginning of the year and ended up being wrong? Kind of the – where was I right? Where was I wrong element of it? Uh, I mean, I, I still marvel at the fact that Baylor's going to be playing in a bowl game at TCU Stadium on Thursday night, and when it's like nine degrees outside, I would have never thought that Baylor would be playing in a bowl game this early this year. Uh, but were there some places where it didn't quite go th as, th as much as you thought that it would this season in college football? Yes, uh, right here in the state. I, I had an all-Bedlam Big 12 championship, like – so my favorite teams in the Big 12 this year, I liked Oklahoma, I liked Oklahoma State, but then I, I also really like Kansas State. Like To me, those are my three favorite teams in the Big 12. So I would say I completely got it wrong on Oklahoma. As I mean, the media had that as number two and number three. I didn't think it was a real stretch to say that I thought the team that was inches away from Big 12 championship was returning a first-team All-Big 12 quarterback and I thought some key pieces on both sides of the ball that, you know, they could get back to Arlington. And I completely overshot uh, what I thought this Oklahoma team could be. I didn't think they were going 12-0, and but I had them 10-2, and and I had them uh, playing for a Big 12 championship again. And clearly it's 6-6 six and six and 7-5, and five, and I believe what, Oklahoma State finishing fifth in the league and, and Oklahoma finishing seventh. That was a massive miss. So I would say right there is where I would start things. Uh, you know, secondly, you know, Kansas State is, is one that I feel that I got right because they were the team that I thought outside of the top five, they had a legitimate chance to make it to a Big 12 championship. Never saw TCU coming whatsoever. Like to me, that was 
shocking to say the least uh, because I, I didn't think that they had the talent. I didn't think they'd be able to put it together in year number one. So I give all the credit in the world uh, to Coach Dykes and his staff and what they were able to do. So uh, that was one that, that I definitely, definitely got wrong. I, I think I picked them seventh. I might even picked them eighth, seventh or eighth preseason. So for them to still be playing uh, in, a, in the college football playoff, I don't know many people that thought that that team was capable of that. So I would say from the Big 12, those were a couple of my misses and, and one that uh, I'd say I was, I was pretty right on uh, as far as Kansas State goes because it just felt like preseason with the talent they had on both sides of the ball, they had a chance to be pretty darn good this season. Listen, I don't know how you feel, but if this was an expanded playoff year, bro, I don't know if anyone would be just jumping up and down to try to play Kansas State. I mean, with the way that they they were playing, rolling downhill there at the end, towards the end of the season, that's a that is a difficult matchup for anyone. Well, and we get a chance to see that on full display, and I'll be there in the stadium calling the game because I've got the Sugar Bowl, and I can't wait, especially now that we know uh, that that both Bryce Young and Will Anderson are going to be playing. I cannot wait to see exactly what that matchup looks like because I'm completely with you, man. Will Howard. That's got to be – that's the part that I had no clue on. I thought Adrian Martinez was going to have a much-improved season, which he did, but Will Howard and his ability to throw the football, I don't know where it came from because his first two years, he couldn't throw the ball whatsoever, and at times, whenever he became the quarterback, he couldn't miss. So that was extremely impressive for him to step in, and you know, I can't wait to see Deuce Vaughn against that, that Alabama defense. I can't wait to see, you know, can Felix Andudike Uzama, can he put some pressure on Bryce Young like – that's a that's a fascinating matchup, and I can't wait because on uh, New Year's Eve, prior to the playoff games, we kind of get things kick-started at 11 o'clock down there in the Big Easy. It's going to be fun. And if it, it, will it shock you or to shock anybody, in my opinion, if we saw Kansas State go in there and win? It wouldn't for me because like, I, I feel like they're going to treat this as their national championship. And sounds like Nick Saban's got all his guys committed, ready to play, but – they better have it strapped up and ready to go because I can assure you Kansas State's going to be ready to rock. By the way, I love it that those dudes decided to play in that Me game. Too. I, I love the fact that they're going to just to roll it out there one more time with their teammates uh, before they go on and uh, attempt to, to make a life in the, in the league. It, that, that just shows you how much uh, that, that the game and those guys mean to them individually. And 100%, I totally agree with that. It's well said. And, like – that could be the number one and two pick in the draft. Yeah. Like that, that there's a very real, like there's, you could make the argument. Nobody, nobody has more to lose potentially by getting hurt than those two. And what are they going to do? They're going to go out there and play. And so I just kind of like B. John Robinson. I've gotten to this point, pop. I don't know how you are. There was a while several years ago when I would just get infuriated with players that weren't going to play. And I, I would, I would try not to rip the kid, but I would always, the more I talk about it, I wind up probably, you know, just kind of ripping the kid without ripping the kid. I've gotten to a place where I get it. It's a business decision. So my philosophy on this has completely shifted, and it's pretty simple for me now. I'm not going to overly criticize players that don't want to play. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise the heck out of guys that do want to play because I appreciate it. I love it. I mean, we would all hate it. It'd be a gut punch if they got hurt, but they're football players and they care about their teammates and they care about finishing their careers and their season the right way. And I'm going to applaud that and I'm going to scream from the mountaintops 
how great I think that is for college football. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt, and you should. And I, it's it's been a it's been a, a thing that's irritated me in general with with just media in general when we fall into this trap about telling everyone about things that don't matter. Like this bowl game doesn't matter or this situation doesn't matter. It may not matter to you, but you're totally discounting what matters inside of that locker room and inside of those individuals. And I really had this moment this year where watching Max Duggan do what he did at the end of that game where he was flat out exhausted, where he was essentially pushing his teammates away like, hey, man, I, I can't breathe if you're up on me right now. Like, to the point he couldn't carry on anymore in that end zone after that fantastic performance in the Big 12. And then they lost that game, and Max Duggan goes up to the podium. He's got tears streaming down his face, and it was another one of those moments that everyone should have paid more attention and say, all the stuff that we're talking about, how conference championships doesn't matter, you know, these bowl games don't matter, that's crap. It matters, and it matters inside those walls, and it mattered to a player like Max, and it matters to guys like Bryce Young and those guys that are now taking advantage of this opportunity. So we should praise them when we see more moments like that. Amen to that, man. I'm, I'm so with you. Um, I, it's just – it's the truth, uh, and, and, it, and it really does. And I've said this um, – I say this all the time. Like, you know, I had a chance to play in a Cotton Bowl. I played in a Rose Bowl. I played in a Sugar Bowl that was a national championship. And my last bowl game was a holiday bowl. And it was on a team that was a four-loss team going in. And by most standards at that time, it was a bad football team. And we started two and three. But we we came together. We won six of our last seven. If we weren't cheated in Lubbock, we would have won uh, all of our last seven. And we went and we beat the number six team in the country in Oregon in my final game. And it's as proud uh, it's as proud as I've felt as an Oklahoma Sooner, including teams where we won Big 12 championships and, you know, we, we blow out Texas and we, we, we won 52 to nine against Oklahoma State and, you know, winning a Rose Bowl. I mean, there's a lot of great games I had a chance to be a part of. My favorite game and probably the most proud I felt was that. And it was finishing that season and, and, you know, going out and playing my last game that I possibly couldn't leave it all in the field and, and winning and, and feeling good about it and dumping, uh, you know, the, the, the Gatorade bucket on Coach Stoops, like all the things you kind of dream about and you always want to be a part of. I got to do that. And I think by, for a lot of people, it's a holiday bowl. Who cares? A meaningless game. It wasn't for me, man. It was everything. And I, I can't imagine Pop not playing in that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I know times have changed. That's 2005. And we're in 2022, heading into the 2023 uh, bowl season. And so I know that everything is massively different. But, man, that mindset for me hasn't shifted, hasn't changed. And uh, that is one thing I wonder for some of these players and some of these bigger bowl games. Like, I wonder if and when at any point in their lives they look back and go, man, I wish I could go back and, and take advantage of that time, of those moments, and uh, wish I, I wish I could have, uh, you know, thought more about what it would have been like to, to f- close out and finish things with my teammates and, and leave everything that I had there for that school. And, again, I'm not here to criticize people that don't, but, man, I can tell you, as someone that did play uh, up until the very end, it sure felt good to walk out uh, feeling good about what you had left with your program. You're here. Um, final moments uh, here with Dusty. Uh, let's shift to the NFL. All right, man. How are you feeling after yesterday? Awful. I, that one was a, I hated was that game. Was a little game. bit rough. I told Colby. <laughs> I don't know if you heard us on Friday. I told Colby I was terrified of this game. I 
I didn't like what that Michael had a trap Parsons. written all over it. Oh, all <laughs> over it, man. And, and hey, here's the deal. Trevor Lawrence, a dude now. I mean, it's been he coming. Is. If anybody's been paying attention, he's been playing really good football for, for several months now. And it's all starting to come together for Jacksonville. What Jacksonville be my pick right now to win the South, as crazy as that sounds. But uh, the Cowboys, I, I'm worried about, you know, yesterday, a couple more injuries. Dorrance Armstrong goes out. Leighton Vander Esch goes out. That defense hemorrhaging points over 500 yards uh, that they gave up. And, you know, Dak, uh, not that that last interception overtime's on him. I mean, you know, you'd like to see Noel Brown be able to catch that football. But uh, still, uh, I mean, you can't allow a, a team like that when you're up 17 points to come back on you and find a way to get back in the game. That's it's not like the end of the world, but my bigger issue with the Cowboys right now, Pop, the last time they played played a complete game was Minnesota. It's the last time they played a complete game. They didn't play a complete game against the Giants. They, they didn't show up for the first half. They luckily did in the second half. They didn't play a complete game against the Colts. They didn't play a complete game. They really didn't play worth a darn most of the game against the Texans, and they looked great in the first half against Jacksonville, and then they disappeared the final 22 23 minutes or so so it's like when are you going to show like to me it's not something you just if you're going to beat the philadelphia eagles in the playoffs if you're going to beat the san francisco 49ers with the way that team's playing as you even with brock purdy you can't just flip a switch when you want to in the postseason like you better start playing really good football for 60 minutes or it's going to be an early exit once again the postseason so obviously in a weird way uh, even in losing that game, you punch your ticket to the postseason, which is great. You know, back-to-back years in the postseason. But I've got I've got real concern, man. I've got real concern because I thought that defense was better than what it's played like as of late. And I thought yesterday in the second half, they really showed some signs that you don't want to see as we inch closer and closer to the postseason. Listen, I've, I've heard Colby and you guys talk about it a lot. Um, and I know that there are Cowboy fans that have questions about what they're trying to do, what their offensive philosophy is at times. But I I absolutely cannot believe that you attempt a low percentage, deep back shoulder fade to Brown. On right? third down? On third down. Yeah. I, 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 I just said out – I'm not even a Cowboys fan. I said out loud, uh-huh. what in the world is yeah. going on here? You save them a timeout. You're essentially – in a game that you, you were just able to take back completely – I don't understand that entire possession at all with what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, defense creates a turnover. You know, you knock it loose from Trevor Lawrence. And obviously, even if you don't get a first down, make them burn all three. Make them yep. burn all three. The cl- I mean, it's you're under two minutes. Like, it's a, you do not want to allow Trevor Lawrence the football with over a minute to play and a timeout in his pocket. And ultimately... I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they don't have that timeout, you know, could they have still gotten a field goal range? Sure, but I'm completely with you, man. I just – I did not understand it. I, Kellen Moore can do a lot of good things, and he can be his own worst enemy at times. And I did not understand the play call whatsoever. Uh, so, I, but, yeah, man, I mean, look, Cowboys are still a good football team. I still like what I see from Zeke and Pollard. I think it's a really good one-two punch. CeeDee Lamb is – has really taken a big step as a legit number one in the NFL. Uh, I worry about Dak. He's turned the ball over too much since he's come back. I mean, I think that's something that's under-talked about. Uh, and at times, Kellen Moore, to me, gets a little bit too pass-happy 
as we saw on that third down. But the, the bigger concern I have is, is that Cowboys defense as good as we thought it was earlier in the year? Because I'm starting to really question and wonder if it is. And as Micah Parsons, and I love Micah Parsons, my favorite player, okay? But I also, if, if he could talk, I could talk. And so as he's questioning, it, should Jalen Hurts be a legitimate MVP candidate? I'm questioning, is this Cowboys defense good enough to win a playoff game? Because I don't know if it is at this point. I really don't. Well, when they were... To be, or at one point in the year, they were elite level uh, uh, rushing the passer. Yep. And that was the difference, right? And that, to me, is – I even called it at the time. I said, if they can keep this level up, you get even keel play from Dak. They are a contender, but they have to remain that elite level in the league of passer. In the last four weeks, that has slowly started to trend southward, and then that has resulted in them being – back to a, a a little bit above average defense and you're you're dead on that's 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 got to be the difference maker to for them to be a contender 100 percent. uh there's there's no question man so I, I mean i'm excited i'm excited to see what the postseason looks like i i've been getting into it with my my uh co-host mr cannell i'm convinced that i'm buying into brock purdy like again i i fully recognize that Kyle Shanahan is an outstanding play caller and their offensive line can be downright dominant. And with McCaffrey, when Debo comes back and what you get from Kittle, that old combination. Oh, by the way, it is the best defense in the national football league. I just love the way that they play. I, I get that they don't have to ask him to do much, but I've been unbelievably impressed with what I've seen from him. And I, again, I would not make them the favorite out of the NFC, I think Philadelphia clearly is, but if you're asking me, can San Francisco with a rookie Brock Purdy make it to the Super Bowl right now? Yeah, I, I think that they can. So I've been uh, I've been blown away with what he's been able to do. It's, it has to be surprising even to you, knowing how big of a oh, Niners fan dude. you are. And I knew what the guy could do at Iowa State, but the way yeah. he's played in these three games, man, he's been he's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, he's got just a little bit of, of, of some juice to him, like almost like in a way got to rein him back in a bit. But uh, you, you need to, he's got more juice and, and the more ability and the willingness to pull the trigger on some of those throws that Jimmy wasn't. And it's just enough, right, to give them a little bit more dynamic edge without asking him to do a whole lot. Here's how much I'm in, Dusty. I bought a Brock Purdy T-shirt over the weekend. And it, it, it will be here before Christmas and I'll be wearing it. That's how much I'm in. You'll be brocking around the Christmas tree in your shirt, huh? <laughs> Heck yeah, I will be. He's a Brock star, baby, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show it off, dude. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, buddy. Uh, great to talk to with you, and uh, we'll check in again uh, coming up on Wednesday. Can't wait, man. Have a great day, Pop. We'll talk to you then. All right, that's uh, Dusty Dvorak joining us here on the Blitz 1170. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. The great John Holcomb will join us next here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.